In the name of Jesus, amen. The kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, this is what things look like when God is in charge. Where Jesus reigns, runs the show, runs us. The kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus loves this phrase. It's like saying when you are fueled by the same fuel, sails filled by the very spirit that proceeds from the Father and the Son, this is how things go. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom of heaven. It's what we pray for every time we we say those words, thy kingdom come. Come God, come over us, within us, between us, come and reign. Make things look like that. Jesus just loves to talk about, give virtual tours, you might say, of the kingdom with his stories. Uh, A couple weeks back, he described this kingdom as a place where folks cease to ask who's the greatest because they know whose they are. Last week, the kingdom, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous collections, agents, banished land where everyone stinks at math and is even worse at keeping track of each other's sins. And now today, another of Jesus' kingdom of heaven, reign of God's stories, and it's a doozy. Master of the house owns a vineyard. Uh, Jen and I sometimes talk about, wouldn't it be fun to run a vineyard, own a vineyard someday? By which we mostly mean, wouldn't it be fun uh, to sit around all day in a beautiful place drinking free wine? I'm pretty sure that's not what running the vineyard is all about. Very sure it's actually hard work, which is why this master in the story is out early, crack of dawn, 6 a.m., hiring workers. Hiring workers at 6 a.m., these guys must have been the go-getters. They're out there early. Shakes on them for the, the going uh, day's rate for an honest day's work, a denarius. But it's hard work, like I said, so the mastery goes out again at, at noon and 3 o'clock, hiring more and more workers, probably more of a gentleman's agreement at this time over how they'll be compensated, but it'll be uh, adequate. And then oddly enough, at 11, the 11th hour, I should say, 5 p.m., I guess, he goes out again. Some folks who only have, what, I mean, less than an hour, if it's already the 11th hour, he calls them, you're going to have like 15, 20, 30 minutes to actually do some work. Hardly even break a sweat. He hires them too. And then the whistle blows. And payday. And once you know, the guys who came at the 11th hour, they opened their pay envelopes a full denarius. Holy cow. Lucky them. Must have been lots of smiles around. Lucky them. Good for you. Probably everyone said. Even the ones who'd been there the, the whole day. But they also were saying to themselves, man. If those guys got a whole denarius, we are going to score. So what do they find when they open up their pay envelopes? Exactly what they shook on at 6 a.m. And the grumbling ensues. (laughs) You've been drinking too much of that uh, free wine there, Master? What the heck is this all about? Verse Verse 12. These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us? You have made them equal to us? Who bore the burden of the day? A real doozy. (laughs) 
thy kingdom come. But if it looks like that, I'm not so sure I want it to come too soon. And the reason I say that is that like the all-dayers in the story, I, you, we spend a lot of time and effort working hard to ensure they are not made equal to us. Oh, I know we're good Americans and all, all men created equal, we're all about that, which is fine and good and wholesome. All men created equal, but then we are even more about making sure we very quickly join the bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, richer, prettier rat race to climb our way to the top of the totem pole and make sure things don't stay equal. Don't stay that way. And if you happen to be someone who's gotten a little ahead in the racing, higher on the totem pole, maybe even gotten a bit sweaty in the process, at the end of the day, everyone getting the same trophy is going to rub you the wrong way. It's going to have you grumbling. What the heck is that all about? What the heck that is all about is the kingdom of God, the grace of God. And if you don't like it, we'll get over it. That's grace. It's how grace works. And there's no two ways about it. It's offensive, yeah. There's plenty to stumble over in the Christian faith, but nothing more scandalous, especially to the totem pullers, than this great leveler, grace. Nothing more offensive to the bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, richer, prettier, holier rat race runners, jonesing for trophies, paychecks, and the envy of social media followers with the blisters, sweat rings, and hypertension to prove it. Nothing more likely to ring out of us a what the heck is that all about than some drunk vintner making the last minute scrubs equal, equal to us. You know, the last time I preached on this, I sometimes look back at what I said previous times. I guess it would have been three or maybe six years ago when I kind of retold a bit of the parable, I kind of embellished a bit. Said, you know, the early risers, those early birds, the diligent guys, the probably folks who had paper roots when they were 10 and always been hard workers. But the late covers, it's easy to see why they were late. There's lazy guys and gals. You know, where they slept in. Hey, they, they, they slept in, you know, they, 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 the morning, the ones who didn't come out till, till noon, they were uh, um, playing Xbox all morning. The ones who got there at three, they had, a, had to watch the, the game shows and their soap before they, they came out. And the one that came out the 11th hour, well, why? Hungover. Hungover from the previous night's vendor. Real losers. Went on with that a little bit and then said some other stuff and kind of uh, brought it all together at the end of the sermon with arousing. But hey, what matters, brothers and sisters, is that you are in the vineyard. In God's kingdom, the king's forgiveness covers it all. And at the end of the day, it is Miller time. Miller time. For early birds 
losers to save. Which is all true. I give that sermon a solid B. Maybe a B plus. But the more I thought about that, I wondered why I so readily made those, those late hires losers. When there could be other very plausible explanations, Jesus says nothing about them being losers. For example, maybe instead of playing Xbox, the reason the one guy did not get out, uh, get hired until noon was because he spent the morning uh, teaching his uh, neighbor who lost his parents, lives with his grandparents, to ride his bike. Thought that'd be more important than making a buck. Uh, Maybe the one who came out at three was not because of the price is right and days of our lives. It was because uh, she was on her fifth round of chemo and had been throwing up all morning. Would very much have liked to stay in bed the whole Uh, the whole day, but because she has bad health insurance and needs to make a buck, she at least had to come out and work for a few hours. The final one, the 11th hour, hung over hardly. Now the reason that that this one came out at the 11th hour was because uh, she suffers from stifling depression. And you know the fact that she got out of bed at all that day. Got out of bed at all, even the 11th hour. Took more strength and willpower, was more difficult for her than any uh, all day in the field for those guys who were hired early in the day. Now why? Why do you think that I so quickly went to those loser explanations instead of those equally plausible ones? Well, I think it's easy. It's because while tipping my hat to grace, Sticking in those loser explanations, which you may have done in your mind too, let me hold on to just a little bit of the some are more deserving than others totem pulling. A kind of, we all need grace, but some, the hungover losers, they need more grace than others, the early birds with whom I associate myself. And even if they all get paid the same in the end, we all know they're not really equal. You can imagine maybe it's something like, think of some, uh, some elite school or, or college, a bunch of guys, um, one of whom um, happened to have a father who has a name on one of the buildings at the school. You can imagine them getting together and saying, we're all here in the school, we're all equal, I guess, but let's be very clear that we are here because we earned it, you are here because your daddy wrote a check. You see? And not just filling in the gaps in Jesus' stories. I'm pretty sure that kind of thing describes a fair bit of how we treat and view each other. I need forgiveness. Yes, I'm a Christian. I know that. I need forgiveness. But there's no pretending that I need nearly as much as those losers over there. Husband, wife, kids, parents, co-worker, political foe, loser over there. Let this sound Jesus-y, but keep the totem pole. And yet, thy kingdom come. We pray. Yet there's still something about it. (laughs) 
as much as I keep asking about being great, who's the greatest? As you enjoy honing your accounting skills to keep track of their sins. As much as we all work up a good sweat, making sure some are more equal than others, there's still something alluring about these pictures of the kingdom which Jesus keeps pouring over us. These parables, yes, in one sense they convict us. My life doesn't look so much like that. But yet, at least for me, and I think probably for you too, there's more. I'm trying to think of, of an image to explain it, and the one that came to mind was me at high school dances, which is probably a scary image. <laughs> I went to these high school dances, and except for the occasional slow dance, pretty much hung off uh, to the side. Didn't do much dancing. Not because I didn't want to. Not because I didn't want to be out there. It's part of me anyway. All the girls were out there after all. And Rick Okins and uh, Wyatt Shaw, carefree, good dancers, they were out there too. It looked like so much fun. Kind of wanted to be out there, but just couldn't bring myself to do it. Too much uh, to risk. Too scared. What did I make a fool of myself? So I look on from the sidelines with the other cool, that is, scared guys. That's the way these stories can, can kind of make you feel. You want to be out there. You want to be in that kingdom, but can't quite bring yourself to, to do it. For, I mean, wouldn't it, this be something, just imagine, wouldn't it be something fun even to simply not care about who gets what and actually just be happy, genuinely happy to see the latecomer? And who cares why he's late? Catching a break. There's something uh, so beautiful about that, even freeing. And I know it's hard to imagine, but imagine if that were the world, our world, your world. As practice, we might we might think of uh, retelling some of those uh, Bible stories we know so well in terms of working according to the kingdom logic. Go way back to the beginning, almost the beginning. Think Cain and Abel. You know Abel when he gets that attaboy from God. And Cain, big Cain, firstborn Cain, hard worker Cain, follows in the the father's business Cain, used to getting all the the accolades, the child of promise. If instead of launching into homicidal rage when Abel gets the attaboy, imagine if he'd come to his brother and said, man, way to go, little brother. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Or instead of trying to kill them, this is another story, this homicidal rage thing, we really don't like people being made equal to us. Imagine the yet childless Sarah, remember Abraham's wife? The yet childless Sarah, filled with joy to see Hagar and little Ishmael bouncing on her lap. Or instead of grumbling, think of Aaron and Miriam, so proud, so proud to see little lisping brother Moses taking charge. Jacob's wives, Rachel and Leah, without a whiff of jealousy. Think of this. Without a whiff of jealousy, throwing baby showers for one another, sharing hand-me-downs for their sons. And then this, when ten of those sons are all grown up, rather than throwing him in a hole, saying to the eleventh, Dude, all those colors, that jacket is the bomb. 
It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Almost silly. A world like that without your jealousies and envies, without my up here's and uh, down there's, the deserving and the deplorable, where being made equal instead of a what the heck is that, elicits from you a thanks be to God. Hard to imagine letting all that go. Rat race, totem poles, and all. And yet thy kingdom come. Still here we are being enchanted by the vision of this other way, this other reign. Week after week, wooed by the the master storyteller, courted by the storyteller who lives the stories he tells. Jesus, he is the vineyard owner. And in the story he lives, the early hires don't just grumble at his grace. They string him up. They fashion a couple of those totem poles, because there's always so many around. They fashion a couple of those totem poles into a cross and kill him. Jesus dies on our totem poles. And then he rises up. He rises up with the same grace on his lips and sends out ambassadors of his kingdom to live and tell the same grace-filled stories that he lived and told. The final image that comes to mind, uh, in addition to the high school dance thing about doing, wanting to do something but finding it really hard, that came to my mind was those uh, icebreaker trust games. You know that thing where you're supposed to like put your arms out and close your eyes and just fall back into the arms of people behind you? I cannot do those. <laughs> At least not without a lot of coaxing. I've seen too many YouTube videos of people falling flat on their backs or uh, not getting caught. I'm kind of above average size, I would say. Kind of scary, so no thanks. No thanks for, for me. Kind of want to, but no. Wish I could, but can't. What I've been trying to say in this sermon is that a lot of us want to let go. To let go of the rivalries, let go of caring about who gets what, let go and just fall into the kingdom Jesus describes and lives, want to, but find it really hard to. Well, maybe this will help. The arms you are falling into are the arms of your Savior once spread for you on the cross. Falling into his arms, you fall into a kingdom of a great vintner who has wine for everyone. You fall into the arms of the one who, regardless of who you are or aren't, or where you've been or haven't been, or how long you've worked or haven't, he has the very best wine for you. The kind that gladdens the saddest and calms the most hypertensive hearts. And the best bread, too. Living bread that satisfies hungers you didn't even know you had. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.